Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. We're in a reach series. And uh, i got to say, I've really enjoyed this, and I'm kind of sad to close the door on or close the chapter on part with part four here today. But I want to talk and finish up this series today, uh, part four, and uh, it's titled, How to Share Your Faith. So we've been talking about the urgent need. We've been talking about how the scripture, it's, it's infused in our salvation. What, what is a part of our salvation is the understanding, there is the knowledge, there is the command, the commission of us to go and share to the world this good news, that we shouldn't keep it to ourselves. And so this is, this is a mission for the church. We are the church. It's what we're called to do. And so we've been learning how, uh, how we can do that. So today we're going to get a little more practical and, uh, and then finish with a commitment. So I want to look at a couple of verses here, and then we'll, uh, we'll dig into this, again, from a practical point of view. A couple of verses. First of all, from Psalm 107, verse 2 and 3, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. I love that. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from the east, the west, from the north, and from the south. That kind of describes Valley Community Church in many ways, that where God has gathered us. That's where the church is supposed to be, is that as the winnowing fork, as the, as the combine goes throughout the land, it gathers the fruit, the harvest of souls, and they're gathered together in, in groups of people called the church, the ecclesia, called out ones. And I love this, but the first part of that verse is so powerful. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Probably heard it said, I think, in the King James, which says, let the de- redeemed of the Lord say so. But this is more specific for us, to tell our story. And that's important, because the, Jesus' story is very powerful. But what's even more powerful is that how Jesus' story has impacted us, and we tell others. It's amazing that most people come to Christ as a result of a personal relationship. Only 1%, 1% of all the converts that ever take place really come from evangelistic crusades. Okay, so those are important, those are good, but a very small percentage of people come to Christ that way. Now, hey, I'll take 1%, <laughs> right? Angels of heaven rejoice over one soul that's saved. But you know where the majority of people come to Christ, like 95%, is personal relationships, connections, people that we know, family members, of course, that would make sense, that a large percent of the uh, biological growth that way. But it's really through personal relationships. If you think about your life, if you came to Christ later in life, maybe as an older teenager or young, in your 20s or so, you probably, as a result of a family member or friend, a close friend, it's the majority of us. So... It's important for us to share our story. I know that was my situation. When my brother looked at me and said, David, when I said, hey, man, you want to go party? He said, I'm not really doing that anymore. Of course, what is the question being begged there? Why? What has happened to you? What has taken away this urge to want to, you know, hang out and party and do all the things that we used to do? What has changed you? The story. Let the redeemed of the Lord. Now, he could have hidden that. He could have just said, well, whatever, you know, but he didn't. He said, David, I, you know, I've come this weekend to share something with you. I remember I was very open. Why? Because I loved him. 
because I believed you know, in him. I'm, all my guards were down with someone that I trusted. So let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Second part, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. That's important for us to tell people that we've been rescued. <laughs> we've been rescued from a life that was damaging. It wasn't just I've made, I've, I've changed up. It's not like getting a new apartment or anything. It's I have been rescued from darkness. And we need to tell people about that. Then there's 1 Peter 3, 14 and through 16. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Peter is talking to the Christians who are going through some persecution for their belief. Peter, of course, stayed in Jerusalem. As far as we know, he, he always stayed there. There was rumor that he ended up in Rome, but there's no actual historical evidence of him ever, ever actually visiting Rome. But in this case, what he's writing to is the Christians in Jerusalem. He's, he's concerned of the, the growing persecution that they're enduring, and of course, the church all around that they were enduring. He says, do not fear their intimidation. Do not be shaken. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to articulate a defense to anyone, or everyone rather, who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. He's saying, look, you're enduring persecution. You're into some really, this is really struggle for you. But he says, look, this is how you respond to it, is be ready to share why you're willing to suffer, why you've made the choices you've made tell them and that's hard sometimes when well I, I look at Karen here Karen you turned your back on a whole life of quite a bit of privilege and, and opportunity and success and I'm sure many people said why right and you want to tell the story you want to tell people why you're enduring the suffering the choices that you've made it's important that you tell the story so here's Peter saying look always be prepared oh how do you always be prepared sometimes we can become unprepared Sometimes we can kind of forget. So this, what we're talking about, what Peter is saying is, look, keep yourself sharp when it comes to your story. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let them tell your story. You need to be up on your story, and you need to keep it, you know, uh, um, familiarized. You need to keep it current. What is God currently doing with you? It goes on. But respond with gentleness and respect. That's important. You know, when I first got saved, you've heard me tell that I, I kind of beat people upside the head with the gospel. wasn't a good idea. Um, it just wasn't. Now, sometimes God uses us in spite of ourselves. But Peter is saying here, look, if you're going to share the gospel, do it with gentleness and respect. Respect people where they are. Don't go in there and say, look, you're going to hell, you're going to burn. You know, don't, don't do all that. Tell your story let it come. Tell them about the love and the grace of God, the things that you've experienced so that they might be drawn to the fragrance of the goodness of God. And he goes on, keeping a clear conscience. So in other words, don't sin. For crying out loud, don't sin and share the gospel because that kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? So those who slander you will, put, uh, will be put to shame by your good behavior in Christ. He's saying, look, you guys are enduring slander which often does happen when you start to change your life. People say things about you behind your back, unkind things. Can't stop them from doing so. And, and I recommend that you don't use Facebook to lash out at the world. Don't do that. It's not a good idea. Because you're not showing the love and the grace of God. You're not showing the gentleness. You're not showing... 
you're, what you're doing is reacting to slander, and as a result of reacting to slander, what, are they, what does that kind of do? Proves their point. Yeah, well, look at you. I mean, you're just, and that, that happens. If we start lashing out, then all it does is, is, is just shows people, well, yeah, you, you are what they're saying you are. So just be quiet. Just be silent. Suffer in silence. Look what he says. So that those who slander you will be put to shame by your good behavior in Christ. In other words, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Your, ca- your cause, the justice of your cause, will shine, brighter like the, will shine bright like the noonday sun. God's responsible for that. Your reputation belongs to him. Your favor, your blessing, your, all of that belongs to him. See, all that is taking place in our society today is so unbiblical, is so full of mess. I want to say another word there. But anyway, it's so bad. It's destroying the testimony of the church, especially when Christians are doing it. Destroying it. So you need to stop. You need to stop right now. You need to let, if you've got a cause, then let him be the one who comes and makes the justice of your cause shine brighter. Don't react to it. Don't kill people. Don't burn stuff. Don't do that. It only, the devil is just laughing, going, look what I've got those Christians doing. What a bunch of fools. Not good. Not good at all. We got to get to the testimony. We got to get to the message. And if we're constantly undercutting ourselves with a message that is not a method that is not matching the message, then who's going to listen to it? Who's going to listen to it? They're not dumb. He says, with all gentleness, even Jesus did not react. He did not lash out. Could he have done something about it when they called him demon-possessed? When they called him all kinds of manners of evil names? What did he do? Just turned around and went the other way. Yet he had all the power, all the privilege, all the opportunity. He had everything to be able to just turn him and say, just like to the fig tree, wither and die. He could have said that to a human being. You just be toast right now. Toast. (laughs) Pile of of ash. Could he not have done that? The point is, my friends, all of that loving, privileged goodness has to come out has to be shown in our lifestyle and our activity. Peter's doing it. So we can't even get to sharing our faith if we still have to deal with all this. That's why I brought this verse today. We've got to be careful. So let's just move into the heart of the message here. Number one, in order to be one who can share your faith and and, and be the one who's redeemed and you can tell your story, you need to do these these four things. Number one, you've got to keep your soul happy in God got to keep your soul happy in God. Isn't that a great little phrase? I love that. I got that from, uh, actually, one of my pastors. And he used to talk about that all the time. And I remember in the early days when I heard him talking about, hey, get your soul happy in God. I'm like, man, I need to get my soul happy in God. It's a kingdom. You need to be quiet. I don't need to have my soul happy in God. I wake up, and if I'm suffering and I'm not feeling good, then so be it. Well, that's kind of silly, isn't it? Doesn't God want us to experience the joy of the Lord? Doesn't God want us to experience happiness, fulfillment, and peace? Of course. Of course he does. So nobody wants to hear a message with a frown on your face. Hey, man, I love Jesus. It makes me happy. Yeah? Yeah, watch me burn this place down. Oh, that doesn't match. doesn't match. People aren't dumb. A message of love, forgiveness, 
doesn't shine through all this other mess we're doing. Mm -mm. But you've got to get your soul happy in God. God. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, and this is, by the way, this is how you get your soul happy in God. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, do what? Think about such things. How do you get your soul happy in God? You've got to get into the mind. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. You have to get into your intellect first. That's why the Bible is so incredibly important. The Word of God will not fail. It will not return void. It will do what it's set out to do. And what is it set out to do? Bring faith, joy, peace, hope. We get the Word of God inside us, so we've got to get into the mind. Because what we do is we tend to start letting things, we, I call it cogitating, you know, but it's just sitting there ruminating on all the bad things that are happening in the world, all the things that, that you don't have. If you think about all that mess, you're, you no longer have any joy, you no longer have any happiness on the inside, and you're nowhere anywhere close to be able to sharing a story of hope because you don't have any. So we need to fill our soul up with the things that we do have. We have to remind ourselves. So here is Paul saying, look, I know what you guys are going through, but let me help you. Let me show you how to get your soul happy in God. Get your, start with your head. Start with what you're thinking about. And he says, whatever's true. Now, I love that particular part of this whole verse because I think it absolutely starts there. What is true? Ask yourself that question. That is a wonderful emotional healing door opener. What is true? People telling lies about you, lies you're believing about yourself. Most of us shadow box with the enemy. In other words, we're fighting battles that don't even exist. We're worried about dying. We're worried about disease. We're worried about our reputation. We're worried about what people think of us. We're worried about all these things, and none of it's true. It's just the enemy back there, a little imp of a demon speaking into your heart, into your ear, saying, just whispering away. And if we believe those things, then, then we go down that road, and our soul is captured. Because once you're thinking on something that is dark, then your emotions will follow. So in the same way, when we think about what is true, what is true? Jesus is Lord. He rules the universe. I'm on his team, and we win every single time. That's good stuff right there, right? You may be in the middle of a dark situation, but God uses all, everything for his purposes, even my struggle, even my battle. That third song, did Meredith write the third, third song that we sang, Libby? Yeah, that was an amazing song. Do you know she wrote that? That was a powerful song. I don't know if you caught that. Man, I, I didn't realize she wrote it until afterward. I thought, man, that came out of some struggle, obviously. And that's where God wants to meet us. He wants to meet us in the battle. So whatever is true, get there. Whatever is noble, take a better path. Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Look on the news. Does most of that really follow that line? I don't think so. So it takes work. It takes effort. It takes the grace of God. It takes a decision. If anything is excellent or praise, we think about such things. We've got to get our soul happy in God. We've got to capture the mind. We've got to focus on truth. We've got to focus on that which is right and good and holy and pure and lovely. Think about those things. And praiseworthy. We've got to get the other mess out. 
because it's like poison in our mind and it will make our soul unhappy. Yep. Now, I love it when, when uh, you know, so many things in sports we ride, you know, I don't know who you're pulling for in the Super Bowl, but you're either incredibly happy or incredibly bummed. And hopefully you've moved on. But if you're an Atlanta Falcon fan, man, you were bummed. Because you had it in the bag and bye-bye. But anyway, you got to think on things. you got to put yourself back in a place to say, you know, well, what does it matter? What does it matter here? What does it matter there? What, you have to take charge of your soul and think about the victory that we have. You know, and that's the beauty. We're on the team that wins every single time. We've been getting a picture of what it's going to look like, the celebration. Then, secondly, the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is different. It says the joy of the Lord is our strength, but I wanted to point out that the joy of the Lord is different from the joy of the soul. The joy of the Lord can and often does lift us above our circumstances. This is nothing short of a supernatural work of God. The, moment, the first thing that happens is we, when we make the choice and we let truth into our mind, then the Holy Spirit has the raw material to then bring us up supernaturally out of the darkness of our soul, which often is just filled with memory. It's hard to get rid of traumatic memories. It is very difficult. It's not impossible. But really, I mean, unless you're going to go get shock treatment, which I don't recommend, then what you need is truth treatment. You need the truth to come in and shine more brighter than the darkness that you've experienced. I've walked in that for many, many years, and I'm here to tell you that it works. The joy of the Lord will come in. And you know what the joy of the Lord? See, the joy of the soul sometimes has to rely upon sensical information. Whereas the joy of the Lord, sometimes it makes absolutely no sense. Why am I happy right now? I don't know. I should really be kind of bummed. But I feel content. I feel happy. I feel joyful. See, I'm saying all this, folks, to just say that, that if you're going to be a gospel share, if you're going to be a soul winner, you've got to start with being a person who's experiencing joy and peace and hope. And the reason why we don't share often about was because we're so, we're so entangled with what's going on the inside. We, as you've heard me say before, we don't have the energy, we don't have the life, we don't have the testimony, we don't have the story by which the gospel can be launched. So we've got to get there. And the truth is, you can get your soul happy in God by focusing on truth and letting the joy of the Lord flood into you through that gateway of truth and lift you above your circumstances. Sometimes he doesn't change the circumstances, does he? You come up here and you get prayed at the end and you want to go home and see that that thing is gone. Often it's not, but you have grace. Remember Paul said, Lord, please take this thing away from him three times. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. That's what I want you to have. And he's like, okay, well, then I'll rejoice in what is going on with me. Whew. Folks, that's Christianity 401 right there. That's what it is. It's not that I get happy only when God does exactly what I want him to do for me. It's when God says no that I say, you know what? He's got a reason for no. I'm going to be happy with that. I'm going to rest in that. Okay? Number two, we've got to recount all the things that God has done for us. So it, it, it's kind of really a, a second half or part to the first point. But we've got to set our hearts and minds. Colossians 3 is, is a beautiful 
chapter, by the way. You need, this needs to be something you memorize. All of chapter 3. He talks about, at the beginning, setting your heart and minds later on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. When we talk about setting our heart on things above, what it means is we need to take our, our, our passions. We need to take our focus. The hobbies that sometimes... Now, I'm, I'm going to get into your stuff now. Some of the things that we spend a lot of our time doing leave us a little empty, and we wonder why. It's because they're not eternal. They don't have internal, eternal impact. And we're going to run out. I mean, we can put, you know, even in human relationships, they say that about three to five years that a married couple, that it was just like sun, earth, moon, and sky was moved, and it was a perfect romance, and it was just like, oh, they wrote songs about this romance. That even after three to five years, they're just like, hey, honey, Man, you're kind of old news. That's sad. But it's the, it is the human heart. And so then marriage has to burst into something much deeper, something more mature, something more real and deep. All the emotions begin to kind of cool down a little bit. So we got to set our hearts on things above. And the reason why we do that is because those things are eternal. Those things will never let us down. Those things never do cool down. They never go away because we have yet to experience them. You know what the Bible calls that? It's called hope. It's called hope. And hope is a very powerful thing. Setting our hearts on, thing, on things above things kind of covers it all, doesn't it? Everything. Everything in our life. Set it on Christ. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Letting our hearts go back to gratitude. When we recount and open the door for gratitude to begin flooding inside us, then we become people that are ready to share our story. Not only does the story continue to move on and we grow, but we're in a position to be able to share the story. We're very excited about sharing our victories. Then go on. Learn to recount by remembering the wonderful blessings you have received. One of the great ways, you know, David said, why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? Put your hope in God. It's very easy for David to say that. When we look at it, we just say, well, it's easy for you, David. You've, you know, you killed Goliath. But sometimes you've got to remember the Goliath moments. Because once David was in the castle, he was done with the Goliath moments. I mean, for 40 years, he was done with the Goliath moments. So sometimes we have to remember the victories and we have to go back to those things to remember, okay, God has been good to me. He has been good as part of our testimony. And those things, we shouldn't let go of them, but we easily do. I mean, you know, you have to live a few years to begin forgetting such things, but we need to write them down. We need to let them be a part of our story. It's important. I think of the Israelites because we're just like them. We tend to forget, just like the Israelites in the desert, and how, what they did. Remember? They experienced, <laughs> they experienced those plagues. Unbelievable supernatural events. They get set free, a million plus of them, walking out of Egypt. Nothing has ever happened like that in history. They get in front of this the Reed Sea, the Red Sea, and God splits it in half for them, and they go through. 
Not a few days later did they say, God, you brought us out here to die. Wow. But that's human nature. Human nature is after all God has done. So what did God teach the people of Israel to do? Remember what he had done. Through special days and holidays, festivals, feasts, remember the Passover. Do you remember when God passed over, firstborn of every non-believer, a non-fearing, God-fearing person, every firstborn died, except for those who had the blood, blood over the lentil, over the top. We've got to remember what God has done for us. And what it does is our soul will follow right in. It will follow right in. And we need to tell our story. You need to tell your story. I'm sure there's a lot more wonderful things that have happened in your life you've yet to really even recount and make a part of your testimony. You've got to recount them. They may not, you may not have killed a Goliath. You may not have seen the Red Sea open. But certainly God has done some pretty amazing things in your life. What he's delivered you from? Sometimes God's deliverance comes at such a slow pace that we don't even know what he did after he did it. But very much it's like a tree in your life that has vines and ugly things going. I've got a couple of oak trees that have got this ivy. You might you know what I'm talking about. It's going up in it, and I'm just like, man, this stuff is invasive. But what I've got to do is chop it off at the root, don't I? Chop it off at the root. Kill it down there. It's going to take a couple of weeks for me to start seeing that thing die. It might even be a couple of months I walk up there and realize, oh, my gosh, all, those, all that ivy's dead. When did that happen? You start cutting off the root of the things that were feeding, the negativity, the, 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 uh, the cursing, the slandering, the getting ourselves involved in things that we shouldn't do, shouldn't say, shouldn't think. We cut the ax at the root, and over time, we might just say, wow, I, I didn't even know, I haven't even thought about that in months. And that's the moment you need to stop and just say, wow, look what God has done. Number three, be active in looking for someone who might need to hear your story. Okay? We've already talked about some, some of that, but I'm, I'm just trying to help you. Give you practical ideas. But get your soul happy in God. Recount the things that God have done. And now begin to, to be active in looking for someone who might need to hear your story. If you've got a story, then you need to get it out there. But that can be overwhelming, can it? Especially if you're an introvert, you're like, you know, God. You don't know, is anybody going to like what I've done? Is anybody going to like what, you, what your life is, your story? Don't worry about that. Leave that up to God. You focus on letting God do his work inside you, and then you just pray, God, if there's, if there's anything of my life that needs to be shared, whether I'm young, middle-aged, or old, I pray that you would arrange the meeting. We've already talked about that already, but I'm, I'm, I want to hit it again. So here's some, a couple of examples from Scripture. Paul, this, I would call this a, a life experience. Paul was a tent maker because he did not want to be a burden to the churches. Now he said, he said, look, I had every right to go into a church and expect them to take care of me. Which is, he, he said, look, I'm pastoring you. I'm the one who, who planted this church. I take care of you. I've set leaders in. I should expect a little bit of something to, you know, as a, a recompense, as a, a, a payment for what I am praying for you daily. And so he appeals to them and he says, but I'm not going to do it. He said, I'm going to waive that. And so what he did is he went on and he learned a tent-making trade. 
which we think was probably from Aquila and Priscilla, who were also tent makers. Probably got with him and said, hey, show me what you do. Because we know he wasn't formally a tent maker. He picked it up somewhere along the line. Probably Aquila and Priscilla. And so what he does is that he makes this a regular thing. Now, here's what's cool. He didn't do this just to pay the bills. He did this so that he had open doors to the gospel. And this is what he would do. This was his regular routine. Paul would go into a, a, a city. He'd go down to the river where typically there would be many women down there preparing cloth to be made into many different things. And he would go down there and he would just start working with his tents. He would get by the cloth. He'd start building the tents, sewing the tents, doing all that they did. I don't know what goes into all that. But anyway, he was doing all that. And then naturally, they'd look at him and say, hey, you're not from around here. No, I'm not. Well, who are you? Well, my name is Paul. You used to be called Saul. Maybe you heard of me? Yeah, I kind of think I did hear about you. Weren't you killing all those Christians? But what are you doing here? Ding, ding, ding. Tell them what they won, Johnny. Because he, he now gets a chance to tell his story. And that's what he did. And they would go, this is interesting. We want to hear what? More. Door open. He would go into their homes. He'd share the gospel. Their whole house would get saved. And what would they do? Hey, let's go get Uncle Shlomo. And let's go get, you know, Uncle Benjamin. And let's go get them over here. Thus was born the church. House to house. Soul to soul. Family to family. Which is the way it spreads. So he used his vocation as a doorway to be able to share the gospel. Bible, biblical, powerful, through relationships, through connections. So you've got to be active. In other words, what are you doing in your life? Make it a gospel opportunity. That's a choice, and God will meet you there, I promise. Whether it be, because you say, well, all I do is go to public school. Are you kidding me? What a wonderful opportunity. What a, a wonderful chance. Now, is it going to be hard? Yeah, but guess what? You've got the Holy Spirit on your side. I did it. Any young people out there saying, you don't know what you're talking about. I did it for two years. Yes, I was slandered. Yes, I was I drove in my car into the parking lot, and I heard a lot of the young people yelling over at me, Jesus freak. I took that. We all have to at some point in our life if we're really going to live for him. Secondly, we got Philip and the Ethiopian. Philip, of course, has become an evangelist, well-known for that. But Philip, I love this story because Philip is just, he's not actively looking for an evangelistic experience. He's just out walking around. He just started his day and just said, Lord, please use me. And all of a sudden, a divine moment, Ethiopian comes along. He's a, a, high, a high guard in uh, in the, under the Queen's service, as, as we understand, and he's reading the Bible. He'd just come from Jerusalem. God, the Holy Spirit's knocking on the door of his heart. Things are going on, churning up, and he's reading the Bible, I think, from the book of Isaiah or one of the major prophets. And, and then, of course, there's, there's Philip just going, ding, ding, divine moment. He could have just said, wow, that's pretty cool, and watch you drive on. But he stops, and Philip takes the opportunity. He says, hey, do you know what you're reading there? What you reading there? Oh, I'm just reading this, this you know, book, Isaiah. This is the Jews' book. But it's interesting. It's talking about this, this Messiah. Do you, need, do you know anything about that? Well, I just happened to. I met him. What? Climb up in here and tell me all this. Tell me more. Ethiopian prince gets baptized and sent back to his nation where probably 
the, ectop, the ectopic, uh, I'm not pronouncing it right, but the, the, the Christian church in Ethiopia began to grow. It's probably this guy there to this day. Now, they've got some weird beliefs, but that's when it happened. Amazing. So you've got to be looking for an opportunity for, for you to meet people and to share your story. Okay? But you've got to be ready. You've got to be waiting. You've got to be prepared. And you'll notice I've not shared anything that makes, says you have to go off to Bible college. I haven't shared anything with it that says you have to become a master of evangelism. You just have to know what your story is, and you have to be asked God to open the door for that story to be shared. Finally, there are different kinds of evangelism, and I want to share those briefly to finish today. And that is real, four real quick ones here, the kinds of evangelism that God can use. And you'll find that you can try them all, or you may be especially good at one. First of all, there's friendship evangelism, which I, I just shared with you, the largest percentage of people coming to Christ. And that is daily living the message of Jesus. If you live for Christ, you live, live Christ. Before too long, people are going to be attracted to you. They're going to see your story, and it's naturally going to happen. And we call this an incarnational ministry. In other words, the incarnation of Christ in and through our lives becomes, becomes evident, and people see it. That's one. We call that friendship evangelism. Then there's servant evangelism, and this is attractional ministry doing practical, loving things for people with no strings attached, taking it to another level, being purposeful in paying for the single parent who's frustrated with trying to get their gro groceries there in the grocery line, or volunteering to pay for somebody's gas, or taking the trash in for someone you know, daily for a week or two, or just doing really practical things. It's amazing that when, when we think about the end days, as Paul said, that the love of most would grow cold. Well, what's going to come with that is people just being very, you know, non-interested in doing anything for people, non-trusting, you know, fearful. I mean, and that's the kind of culture that we've created today with this political uh, correctness mess, is that people are afraid to do anything kind anymore for fear of being accused of being abusive or hate speech or whatever. But look, it's hard to beat just doing something simple and loving. You can, you can destroy the hardened heart by just saying, here, here's a cold water. You look thirsty. Hard to, hard to beat that. Hard to say no to it. It's amazing. So that's servant evangelism. Then thirdly, we have prayer evangelism. And that's a supernatural. Asking God to show his signs and wonders while you share. And that takes it up a notch. And God said, I will be with you. He says, I will give you the Holy Spirit. I will give you power to be my witnesses. Now, Christian, if you've never experienced that, I mean, it's time for you to, 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 to upgrade. <laughs> it's time for you to start asking God if you've been living it. Perhaps you've been doing friendship evangelism. Maybe you've tried out the servant evangelism. But now, what I want you to do and what I'm asking you to do is that over this next year, I want you to target someone. I want you to, in your heart and your mind, someone that you spend time with, someone that's in your family, someone that you work next to, someone. I want you to think about that person, write their name down, and pray for them every single day to say, Lord, I pray that you would bring them to Christ, that you would illumine their mind to the hope of the gospel. 
You may be the only person on planet Earth that's praying for them at that moment. And then ask God to, to do something supernatural, to open that door, to give you an opportunity to be like Philip. At the Now, was that a supernatural event? Well, of course it was. I mean, that was divinely set up by God. That, that Ethiopian could have driven any other place but right next to, to, uh, to Philip. So pray, asking God to do signs and wonders. The whole book of Acts is an example of what happens when Christians get full of the Spirit and begin to be silly enough to actually take Jesus' words to mind. Churches are planted. Supernatural things take place. The world is changed. Then finally, they're spirit-led or confrontational. Now, this is the least amount, but there are times when, you're just, when you become confident in sharing the gospel that there are going to be more and more opportunities where you might literally just come and break into someone's world and share. Now, this is what Tommy, Tommy Saunders is being trained in. Because if you walk on the campus, that, I mean, today's campuses are kind of, um, I mean, they can be dark spaces. They can be really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Volatile to the gospel. But we have nothing to fear. And it's amazing that when they did stand up and said, look, you're violating students' rights in the name of protecting, you're actually violating their, their First Amendment rights. And they scratch their head and say, you know, you're right. And so Tommy now is back to being able to share the gospel again. That was confrontational, I'd say. That is not tail between your legs, run away from the darkness of the enemy. That's like, no, I'm going to fight it out here. I'm drawing a line in the sand. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, where it says, I have the hope of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the what? power of God for the salvation of every single human being, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. We live in the time of the Gentiles, my friends. The gospel's ready to be impacted. It's ready to go, but it's got to go through somebody, and that's you and me. What, that's what the church is here for. Why do we have this building? Why do we have, why are we gathered? Why are we getting worship? Why are we asking the Holy Spirit to fill us and to empower us? Why are we doing any of this? If we're all about heaven, then we would just go. But it's not. It's about us living the testimony and letting that testimony go to the world. So we're finished here. But I'm going to ask you to do something. And I don't want you to do it just because Pastor David said to do it. I don't want you to do it just because people are watching. Because actually, here in just a moment, we're going to do something unique. I want to put it to us, a challenge, that over this next year, you're going to pray to lead one person to Christ. One. Just one. And I believe it's going to change your life, not only in the whole process, but bringing forth a new life in partnership with God. 98% of Christians in the United States have never led a person to Christ. We need to change that. And what I've shared with you is how you can make it happen. It's going to take a little confidence. It's going to take a little boldness. Now, look, let me just say this. What I'm getting ready to ask you to do 
I'm not going to come back and check, you, check up on you. I'm not going to have any kind of a public embarrassment moment or, you know, loser of the week type thing. You know, I'm not going to do any of that. This is between you and God. But I am, going to, I am going to have my eyes open, and I'm going to stand with you. But here's the challenge. I want you to stay seated right now. This is the challenge, that you are going to commit before God between now and the same time next year that you're going to lead somebody to Christ. At very least, you're going to share the gospel with someone. But what I want you to ask God is that you would help someone come to Christ. And I've given you lots of ideas. I've given you a lot of creative ways. I've, I've taken away all the excuses, I hope, anyway. I love you. I'm for you. My job is to help you hear the well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's my job. And this is how we're going to get it done. It's to reproduce yourself. Just one. So let's bow our heads right where you are. Close your eyes. With no one looking around right now, we're going to finish. But what I want you to do before God, I want you to stand up right now if you're going to commit to lead one person to Christ over the next year, just go ahead and stand up. Again, leave the results up to God. Leave them up to God. All you're saying right now is, God, I just, I just want to be your hands, your feet. Let God do it in you. Let him tell your story through your life. Let him do it. All right. Well, most of you are standing right now, so I'm jumping on the inside. So let's go to him. Lord, we ask right now. <laughs> Lord, we don't know how you're going to do it. Some of us are scared, but we don't know how it's going to happen. But Lord, we know you can do it. Lord, the greater the testimony, the greater, Lord, the expanse, the difference between you taking someone who's, who's timid and not knowing how to do it, and yet bringing forth a great testimony of someone coming to Christ, it's an amazing thing. And it shows that it is all of you. It's not force of personality. It's not the abundance of gifts and wealth and abilities. It's not, you know, who we are as a person. It's all you. And that's what you want. So right now, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill each one of us to be your witnesses? To sharpen our story? to know what you have done in us and be ready to share it, to ask you, God, to open a door with someone, a family member, a friend, even a stranger, if, if you choose to do it that way. May we lead someone to Christ. May we lead them to your throne. May we change the eternal condition and, and, and steal out of the hands of the enemy one who's destined for hell. May we be about your business. And we thank you, God, that when you see a person who says, yes, just like Isaiah, Lord, here we are, send us, you will make good upon it. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray you touch us right now. Give us all that we need to make this happen. Make us happy in you. Fill our hearts with joy. Give us fresh faith and hope and love, God, for people. Change us, transform us. And may after this next year, God, may we see that more has happened in us because we've sur submitted to surrender to this one thing than any Bible study has ever, ever, ever done. 
Bless us. Keep us. Make your face shine upon us. In Jesus' name. Amen.